Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and I'd like you to join me as I minister the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. That's where the miracles happen. Let's open with prayer. My heavenly Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan and you. Father, I ask for a spirit of grace on this meeting, a spirit of grace, what we don't deserve, but you do anyway. Father, I ask that we only see Jesus. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. Years ago, when my oldest boy was around eight or nine years old, and we were attending this ministry almost every time the doors were open, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. When he was that age, he went through a period where he was very unruly, especially when we were in the sanctuary. I mean, the minute the music would start, the minute we would start to worship God, he would get unruly. He would start moving around and fussing and all sorts of things that just a mama just loves to deal with. Sometimes I had to take him out and I didn't know what to do. It went on for weeks. Back then, I had very little understanding about spirits and people, about how the devil can torment us and make us do stupid things and make us unruly and uneasy. So I didn't know how to cast the devil out of him. I didn't even realize at the time that it was a spirit that was doing that to him. You know, the devil doesn't like the spirit of God. He doesn't like worship. It doesn't like prayer. It doesn't like being in the presence of God at all. Well, that one in him certainly wasn't happy. I went home and I started praying and I didn't know exactly what to pray. But the Lord gave me a prayer. And I would say, Father, I thank you that the blood of Jesus was for my son. Father, I thank you that the blood of Jesus was for my son too. Father, I thank you that the blood of Jesus was for my son too. You know what was amazing? It didn't take very long. He settled down. He was back in peace. He could listen attentively. The devil was gone out of my son. I want to take a look at that today. I want us to take a closer look at that blood of Jesus because it's powerful. It is powerful. And it was given to us through the gospel. So let's begin in Mark 1, 14, 15. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. And saying, this is what Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel, repent, change the way you're thinking. And instead of thinking something else, believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Note here, please pay attention. Jesus did not say obey the Ten Commandments. Jesus did not say here, repent and obey the law of Moses, did he? No. Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, said, repent, change your will, change what you're thinking, and believe the gospel. 
believe the gospel. And that blood, that blood that was shed for us through the gospel. Do you know where that blood came from? You know where the, the whole doctrine of the blood came from? We're going to go back to Leviticus and we're going to begin in chapter 17, verse 11. I want to show you what our Father in heaven has done for us through that gospel. And I'm going to lay some groundwork here. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. This is Jehovah speaking. He said, for the life of the flesh, the life in your body is in the blood. Makes sense. If you don't have any blood, you don't have any life. It's the blood that brings the oxygen to the cells. It's the blood that brings the nutrient to the cells. It's the heart that pumps that blood through the whole body. And he says, for the life of the flesh, your life is in the blood. And then he goes on and says this, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. It was the father that gave Moses and the people of Israel, the Hebrew children, he gave them the blood to use as a sacrifice to use as a sacrifice to atone, to cover over, to appease for their soul. Isn't that beautiful? The Father gave it to him. Don't forget that. The Father gave the Hebrews the blood of an animal to atone for their souls. Why? Because the life is in the blood. And as it says in Hebrews, where there is sin, there is no remission except through blood. Now, let us go back a little further to Leviticus 4. I want to read this to us. If you have a Bible, please open it up and see with your eyes what the Father in heaven has done for us. And I'm going to begin in verse 27. This is part of the law of Moses. And it talks about what to do if you sin through ignorance. Now, before I read this, I want you to understand that this Sin through ignorance is not the Ten Commandments. In the law of Moses, if you committed one of the Ten Commandments, you were stoned. There was no mercy. There was no atonement for those. Oh, thank God we are not under that old covenant. We are under a new. Now, let's go back to Leviticus 4, 27. It says, and if any one of the common people, that's us, sin through ignorance... While he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if he sin which he has sinned comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering. And what was his offering? A kid of the goats, a female without blemish. She had to be perfect for his sin, which he has sinned. So he brings a female goat. Look what the priests do with the female goat for this man that has committed a sin. And the man shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering. He shall lay his hand upon the female goat. And then after he's laid his hand on the female goat, they slay the sin offering. 
They kill it right in front of him in the place of the burnt offering. Now, why does he lay his hand upon the sin offering? Why does he lay his hand on the goat? Because his sin, that he has sinned, that has to have a blood offering, that sin will transfer to the goat. The father lets that sin transfer to the goat. So now that sin is on the goat. And what happens? They slay the goat. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereon at the bottom of the altar. And he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it, shall burn that female goat that has been slain with that sin on it. He shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. That sin was not forgiven until there was blood offered. Remember what God said in that first Leviticus 17. He said, for the life, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And there had to be blood. There had to be blood for that sin. And after that sin was sacrificed, then that man's sin was forgiven him. Now, we have something so much better. We have been given something by our Heavenly Father that is so much better. So much better than the goats. I want us to go to Matthew 26. And I'm going to begin in verse 27. And this is Jesus speaking. The apostles have assembled together for the Last Supper. This is the supper that Jesus celebrates, the Passover, with his disciples before he goes to the cross. He knows here that the cross is just hours away. He knows it. And he knows this is the last time he will eat with his disciples. And he knows that his blood is going to be shed on that cross. And he knows the awful agony that he is going to go through. And he makes a marvelous statement here when he gives them the bread and the wine. I want us to read it. Verse 27 of Matthew 26. And Jesus took the cup, and look what he does. And he gave thanks. He gave thanks for that cup. And he gave it to them and he said, drink you, all of you, all of it. For this is my blood in the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus gives thanks for that cup. He thanks the Father and yet he knows when he gives thanks that that's his blood that he's giving thanks for. Oh, the love of God. Oh, the love of Jesus. Knowing that that's his blood that that cup represents. That's his blood in that cup, he says. This is my blood. And he gave thanks for it. He gave thanks that that blood is going to be shed. And that blood's going to be shed for you and I and the whole human race. That blood is not going to just be shed for those 12 apostles. 
That blood is not going to just be shed for the Jews. That blood is going to be shed for all of us, the whole human race that blood will be shed for, which is shed for many for the remission, the taking away of sins. Now, let's go to John 19, and we're going to read how it happened. Remember, it's the Father that put Jesus on the cross. Out of love for us, for God so loved us, he gave Jesus, and he is the one that put Jesus on the cross. And he is the one that makes sure the blood is shed. And he's the one that will receive that blood for you and for me. Oh, it was the Father's predetermined plan to get Jesus on the cross. It was the Father's predetermined plan for Jesus to shed his blood. It was the Father's predetermined plan that all our sins were going to transfer to Jesus. In his soul, those sins were going to transfer to Jesus. That was the Father's predetermined plan before that blood was shed. Oh, what Moses and the priests did with the blood was only a shadow of what Jesus was going to do. Now, in John 19, verse 32, are you looking at it with me? Verse 32, then came the soldiers, and they broke the leg of the first one on the cross, and then the other, which was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that Jesus was dead already. The sins were already transferred to him. Our sicknesses were already transferred to him. Our curses were already placed on him. Then he died and saw that he was dead already. They broke not his legs. Remember, it says not a bone of his is going to be broken. All dislocated. Every bone dislocated, but none broken. God is a perfect God, and his works are perfect. Then one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Blood came out, and that blood was spilled on the ground, the blood of the sacrifice that had all those sins transferred to it. Go with me to Hebrews 9, and let's read what happened in those moments and what Jesus did afterwards when he was raised from the dead. Oh, when Jesus was raised from the dead, it wasn't finished yet. Oh, he was alive, but he did something with that blood for you and I. Let's go to Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not one made with hands. That was the tabernacle that Moses made. That is to say, not of this building. No, he went to the tabernacle in heaven. There was a tabernacle in heaven that Moses made to be just like that one. And remember the father said, Moses, make sure you make it just like the one you see in heaven. 
Now, verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves. No, no goats for you and I. No, what was for you and I? But by his own blood. By his own blood, Jesus took his blood to heaven. Remember when he first came out of the grave and he saw Mary, he told Mary, don't touch me. For I have not yet ascended to my father. And he ascended right here. And he does something beautiful, wonderful, powerful, mighty for you and I. He says, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He went into the holiest of holies in the tabernacle in heaven. He says, by his own blood, he entered into that place. And what happened when he entered into that place with his own blood? He obtained eternal, not just for a moment, but eternal redemption for us. Eternal redemption. Redemption, a ransom. The ransom was paid with the blood of Jesus. The ransom to get you and I from Satan. The ransom that was paid for my son who was being unruly for that spirit that was tormenting him. That ransom, that eternal ransom, that eternal redemption was paid by Jesus when he went into the holiest of holies in heaven. Let's go to the next verse. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, the outside. Look at verse 14. How much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, who through the eternal Spirit. When Jesus was on the cross. We know Isaiah 53 says that the Father, the Lord, laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, the Lord laid on on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. You're part of that all. The iniquity of the whole human race was laid on Jesus. There's your transfer. There is your transfer. Remember the man laid his hand on the female goat to transfer his sin unto the goat. Well, here in Isaiah 53, it says the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And here in Hebrews, through the eternal spirit, there's the transfer. There is the transfer of the sin of the whole human race that went on Jesus. Our sin was transferred from us by 
that eternal spirit by the Father in heaven. He's the one that transferred the sin to Jesus. He is the one that made sure Jesus went to the cross. He was sure that that sin was to transfer onto Jesus. Isn't that the love of God? You didn't ask for him to do that. You didn't deserve for the Father to do that. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. The Father transferred your sin to Jesus anyway. Why? Because he loved you. And he wanted you back. He wanted you to come back to him. And the only way to get you to come back into his presence was to deal with your sin. And this is how he dealt with it. He transferred it to Jesus. That was his plan before the world was even created. And it was the plan of the Father that your sin be transferred to Jesus. And not only that, but after Jesus died, that blood that had your sin on it was shed. The life is in the blood. It says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, offered himself without spot to God. And what does that blood do that shed? It'll purge your conscience. That is the power of the blood of Jesus. It'll purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The blood of Jesus not only covers the flesh, not covers the sin. It purges that sin from your conscience. Do you know when you have faith in that blood, when you commit to believing what that blood did, when you adhere to what that blood did for you, when you believe it, when you put your faith in it, it'll purge your conscience. That blood has enough power that it will not only forgive the sin, it'll justify the sin. It'll make it like you had never even committed it. Not only that, it goes one step further. It actually goes two steps further. You will not only have to not pay for the sin because it's no longer there. It was paid for on the body of Jesus. But that blood will purge it from your conscience. You won't even remember it. You say that's impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. He can take that sin out of the conscience. It won't even bother you. Oh, my sin has been paid for. My sin I have been justified from. And that blood purges my conscience. Many of my sins, I don't even have a consciousness. They're not there. I don't remember them. They don't bother me. They don't bother me. And when Satan tries to accuse me, I say, no, Satan. They have been paid for the blood was for me. The blood was for me. 
that moment that Jesus walked into that holiest of holies. If you will go down to verse 24 in Hebrews 9, there is a marvelous statement here. It says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, the holiest of holies, which are the figures of the true, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He walked into the holiest of holies in heaven. And just like when the priest walked into the holiest of holies here on earth, under the law of Moses, they couldn't walk in there without blood. And the Spirit of God met them in there. Well, when Jesus walked into the holiest of holies in heaven, God met him there. The Father met him there to receive that blood offering that Jesus made for you and I. The Father received it. If you will believe what Jesus did for you, if you will adhere to what Jesus did for you, if you will meditate on, read, if you will commit to it, it will do the work that it was promised. It'll do the work. It'll purge your conscience. The only thing missing is faith in it. The only thing missing is your commitment to it. Faith. It says we are saved by grace. By grace. Jesus paid the price. And how do we get it? Through that faith through the committing to, adhering to, believing it, putting our faith in it. That's when it manifests. That's when the conscience is purged. That's when there's no more, no more remembrance. That's when we're justified. We are justified through that faith. And you know what happens when that is done? There is peace. There is Peace between the Lord, Father Almighty, and you. It is a wonderful place to be when there is peace between you and the Father. Romans 5.1. Amen. Do you want that? It is available to you. That kingdom is yours. The Father made sure there was a way for you to get it. And the way to get it is to believe the gospel. And the first thing you must do to even see the kingdom is to be born again. Remember, Jesus is the one that said, you must be born again. Jesus is the one that said it, our Messiah. How are you born again? You get the spirit of Jesus in you. How do we do that? Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Lead me, teach me, fix me. When I ask this in your name, amen. That is a prayer that Jesus heard. And his spirit has gone into your heart. And you have his spirit in you. And you know what? You don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. 
Now he's got you. You don't have to be afraid of the next day. He's got you. You don't have to be afraid now. He has you. He's your shepherd. And if anything were to happen to you today, today, you would be with him in heaven. Doesn't that bring peace? Yes. Until next time, God bless. Let me hear from you. Email me at the letters kd at kdwol.com. That's kd, Kathy Davidson, at kdwol.com. And visit my website to listen to the messages again or to download them free of charge at kdwol.com. Until next time, God bless.